Hi and welcome to The Financial Fox. This is Steffi and today is another episode about Web3 Gaming. My special guest is Michael Wagner, founder and CEO of Star Atlas, the next generation gaming metaverse built on Solana. Now, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, click the subscribe button now and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. And remember that all the content here is for informational purposes only. We are not giving any financial advice. So if you want to invest or, you know, do anything in crypto, you must do your own research. There is plenty of content out there. And also you can learn a lot watching our interviews. So I hope that you enjoyed the conversation I had with Michael because I did. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, good morning, Steffi. Great to be here. Yeah, fantastic. So everybody's talking about gaming and Web3 and uh, we understand that the future of the internet is going to be all about games. So I want to know everything from one of the founder of the most uh, popular uh, games in Web3. It's a, it's a big statement to start with. And I think gaming will be a critical aspect of this idea of the metaverse that's getting more and more into uh, kind of mainstream awareness. And my personal belief is that the metaverse itself, these immersive digital environments, is what the future of the internet will become. And gaming, I think, will be a core component of that. Okay, uh, just for the people that don't know much about Star Atlas and don't know much about yourself. Well, maybe do a quick intro where, you know, you kind of in a few words, tell us what is Star Atlas and actually how you started the project as well. Sure. I, I'll start with myself. So just a background in traditional finance. I hold a CFA charter. So previously worked in the fields of portfolio management and investment um, and securities analysis. Got introduced to crypto in 2013. This is through GPU mining of script coins. Um, made the decision in 2015 that I was going to give up the formal career, go full-time crypto, focus all of my energy on that. By the end of 2016, I had launched my first company in the space that operated at the intersection of crypto and cannabis. Uh, it was really through that company that I got connected to two of the other co-founders on Star Atlas. We had a, a have a great history together. Um, in mid 2020 this was kind of in the midst of the pandemic things were a bit slow for the previous business and crypto was down and uh we were we kind of understood what was taking place uh these emerging trends of nfts and and DeFi and to some extent blockchain gaming uh although this was a very early nascent stage of block blockchain gaming with rudimentary games and um so those other two co-founders danny floyd our chief product officer and jacob floyd our chief technology officer rounded out by another uh colleague that i had pablo quiroga who's our chief revenue officer we kind of sat down and started to conceptualize you know what would the world of triple a so highest quality highest tier gaming look like in uh on blockchain and from that star atlas was born star atlas is a grand strategy space exploration massively multiplayer online game for those gamers out there this would be most comparable to something like eve online or more recently star citizen at least in terms of immersive graphics and uh the players will be able to participate in all of those core gaming mechanics and gameplay pillars that they're accustomed to in um 
in high quality gaming. So immersive story, captivating content, great missions, character progression, leveling up, you know, ship improvements, a lot of customization and skill tree improvements. Uh, but, but generally speaking, this provides the human mind with the ability to navigate the depths of space in a way that we just can't do in physical reality. And so, um, the, the game itself, the, the product itself is developed, integrating blockchain, uh, significantly throughout the, throughout the entire experience. So starting with, you know, first and foremost, NFTs being the asset base of the game. So everything that the player purchases, they truly own, and they own it in a cryptographic wallet. The economy is built uh, using crypto native assets as well. So the in-game currency, which is called Atlas, is a digital currency running on Solana. And then we also have an overarching governance structure, a decentralized autonomous organization, and that's denominated in the Polis token. But we actually take it one step further, and it would be worth getting into this deeper later in the conversation. But what almost no games in the space are doing today is actually abstracting logic from the game engine that you build in and delivering that on chain, which we actually do. So we, we build as much of the game functionality to live on the Solana blockchain using that as a backend, essentially using that as our game server, as opposed to having all of the logic execute in Unreal Engine 5, which is what we build our core game experience in. Um, this opens up a world of opportunity for for uh, co-creation, for innovative development, for entrepreneurship, for people to build out extensions of our world themselves that integrate seamlessly and permissionlessly with our entire system. So let me pause there. That was a, yeah, a, a kind of a long. big overwhelming entry <laughs> intro. But, I think, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it was great, but uh, we put a lot on the table. And uh, I think I want to take a step back and uh, mm -hmm. ask you why uh, NFT in games because we have seen a recent uh, report that I mean you have comment uh, before on that where not many gamers actually are playing with NFTs and actually think the blockchain um, is actually necessary to uh, games so I, I want to understand from your point of view how blockchain and crypto are bringing gaming to the next level and how that fits in with the creator economy because now all the brands are going into nft are thinking about gaming so what that means for consumer industry what that means for our economy right so nfts provide this uh this idea of true asset ownership and well, I do agree that there is a, a uh, fairly high degree of skepticism in the traditional gaming community for all things blockchain gaming and NFTs, um, which, by the way, I, I and many people on our team categorize ourselves as traditional gamers as well. Uh, um, for people that have heard previous interviews of mine, they know this long history of a computer group that I was a part of starting in high school that kind of continues on today. And so I've spent countless hours playing video games throughout my life. And um, the one thing that you don't uh, accomplish as a gamer in the traditional or Web 2 world is the ability to recapture value off of your time spent in game. So uh, none of the assets that you own in traditional games are truly yours. They live in a database somewhere, but um, taking that a step further, the, uh, the, the traditional studio approaches to impose inherently restrictions on your ability 
to say trade those assets with other players in fact it's in the terms of service that you're not allowed to sell an asset that you've earned or collected or sell your character or sell your account we take the complete opposite approach we feel like if you're dedicating time to the game that is value that you've created for yourself you should have 100 percent rights um, and access to whatever you end up doing with that that character item avatar in the future now why blockchain so this is fundamentally what bitcoin introduced to us back in 2009 is this idea of censorship resistance and immutability so while it's also possible that that studios could change their perspective on gaming on on ownership rather and permit players to sell their assets when it lives in a traditional database the the provenance the the history associated with that item is completely controlled by whomever controls that database whereas when those items live on the blockchain it is a public record that everybody has access to and everybody can see the history of and it's not changeable by anyone except for the entire state of the chain itself so those two reasons are why blockchain as a fundamental layer for storing the history of player assets is incredibly important Again, censorship resistance and immutability. It can't be changed, and everybody has a, a, a record of that, um, of that ownership. I want to go a little bit deeper with the concept of play to earn and how we can actually we create incentives for players um, to engage with Web3, with NFT, and, and maybe you can start kind of like defining the concept of play to earn and kind of unlock it a little bit more so we can have a good overview. Because, I mean, it's a term that we always use. Everybody just uses it as a buzzword. But what does it mean, play to earn? Sure. So let me maybe reframe this um, because this is actually the next logical extension from the NFT asset ownership. And if, if I may just uh, kind of communicate a mental framework that people can operate in, in terms of development philosophy that a team can take or a studio can take in bringing blockchain gaming to the world. Um, so the first and easiest approach is to deliver NFT or blockchain based assets as a, as a, asset ownership mechanism in the game. You can build the game in an engine and then you can add NFT assets and that is technically a blockchain game. It's the simplest method, but it also does provide value to the player. The next step from there is to build out a functional crypto-based economy. And this is where something like a cryptocurrency or a token as the unit of account, the, uh, the, the monetary unit within the game, the currency, if you will, um, would be the next extension of that. And then the final extension is what I said previously, which is building the logic to actually live on the blockchain as well, uh, wherein people can interact seamlessly with that. So we just talked through the NFT ownership and the value of that. Let's move into the currency uh, as a component. And the currency is essential to unlocking this ability to uh, provide a play-to-earn environment. Now, what that means is as you're playing the game, technically all games are play-to-earn. You're earning something, right? Um, whether that's gold or items or, um, uh, or loot in the game, you're always earning something. But in a crypto-denominated economy, you're actually able to convert that into some other real-world unit of value. So typically that would be converting to, say, US dollars if you live in the United States. Now, because 
we use a, a cryptocurrency asset in the game, it has it's fully integrated with this alternative financial ecosystem that is cryptocurrency in general. So all of the DeFi tools, all of the crypto tools, all of the exchanges, the lending protocols, the AMMs, all of the different functionality that exists in crypto, you're actually able to take your token and you know, participate in that alternative financial ecosystem. What it also means though is as you earn Atlas as you play, if it is your prerogative to go out and sell that asset, you're able to do so. You're able to convert that on an exchange like FTX into your local currency. So that is play to earn um, in a nutshell from the uh, from for, you know from the blockchain gaming perspective. You can capture real world value based on the time that you spend and contribute to gameplay. Okay, and um, now tell me the recipe for building a high quality games, and then we can go a bit into Star Atlas. Well, this is, it's an incredibly complex recipe, uh, is the reality. And essentially what it implies, the AAA gaming is, uh, again, not only graphical fidelity. So that's what a lot of people think of is, is graphical fidelity. How do the pixels look on the screen? And this in and of itself is incredibly challenging. Um, you know, fortunately we're using Unreal Engine 5 and this delivers cutting edge, latest cinematic um, quality graphics to us. Uh, however, there's still an immense amount of uh, talent and specialization required to get every single pixel on that screen looking perfect. So it starts with graphical fidelity, but uh, a part of that is also the, um, call it the textures and the skins on the items. It's also the visual effects surrounding those items. So when you're, when you're flying a spaceship, does it have the thrusters behind it? What does the airflow look like? What does it look like when you're flying over land? Is dust kicking up behind you? Uh, so, so a variety of visual effects. The sound effects. The sound effects are another part of this. You know, what sounds do you hear when a door opens or when you do a flyby? Um, and and then in addition to those uh, visual items, audio items, it's it's also the storytelling. It's the lore. It's what captivates you about playing this game. Ultimately, what what AAA gaming introduces is the ultimate sense of immersion into an environment. What we want the player to feel like or the user to feel like is they are a part of this world. And ultimately, gaming is truly about a sense of escapism anyway. It's, it's how do we get outside of this physical world that we're constrained to today and participate in something that allows our imagination to run free. So. That, yeah, that, I mean, that ultimately is what AAA gaming is. It sounds easier <laughs> than yeah. it actually is to accomplish, though. But I think you kind of mentioned a few very interesting points. I mean, there is all about how the game looks, how you can, the, you feel the experience, but there is also about the storytelling, which uh, mm -hmm. is also very important because we need to relate to that. So now moving to uh, Star Atlas, so obviously you had an announcement recently about the free alpha experience on Epic Games. So let's start with that and tell me what are you doing with Epic Games? Sure. So th this announcement came on the tail end of one of our product launch events. We've had a series of them uh, over the course of the summer, but this last one was on September 29th, and there were actually six product releases on that day. Um, I will I will discuss the Epic Games Store launch, but just to help uh, compartmentalize this for everyone, we actually build um, 
three core product lines or verticals in the business. So the first is gaming, but within gaming, there's actually Unreal Engine 5 experience. There's a, a web client experience. So we build in uh, an engine called Play Canvas, and these are all WebGL 3D assets that you can play in the browser. We have a mobile gaming division that's, that's uh, up and coming as well. So gaming is one category. We also build infrastructure and architecture, primarily out of necessity because a lot of the tools that we need to integrate blockchain with the game experience just simply do not exist today. Um, and then the third is our marketplace experience. And you know there are entire companies built around marketplaces. We built a standalone marketplace uh, on the Solana blockchain uh, from scratch. And it is pre uh, presently used exclusively for Star Atlas content, but this is also the, the engine room that we'll use to unlock things like user-generated content. So allowing other creators to produce items that they can then sell in our marketplace as well. So uh, if I may just go in reverse from that, the, uh, there, there was one big announcement on September 29th as well, and that was the release of our Foundation SDK or the Foundation Kit, which is a first of its kind. It's an open source repository, uh, and it's a WebJS uh, library that all developers, all studios can use, and it integrates Solana blockchain natively into Unreal Engine 5. Now we needed that for uh, the ability to create or unlock a wallet and access all of your assets that live on Solana. This is really important for the user experience because otherwise there'd be, they would have to leave the game engine. They'd have to go to a web browser, they would get a pop-up and they would have to approve a transaction. This is not the sense of immersion that we're trying to create. So now every single transaction that a player makes or takes in game is done so directly in Unreal Engine 5. So that was really a huge announcement for us as well. Um, and there is significance in that, in that this feature is important, is necessary for us, but it allows other builders that want to create tangent worlds and environments that integrate with, with Star Atlas, it makes that all possible too. Um, I do think it's worth getting into this idea of building an ecosystem instead of building a game, because that's that's what we're focused on. But I think, Michael, that's, that's an important point, because, I mean, you have got um, many detractors saying, oh, actually, Star Atlas hasn't built any game. They only are a marketplace. And, you know, and I think at this point about building an ecosystem, building an infrastructure, I, I really like, I really would like you to kind of stress on that because a game is not just, uh, you know, there is much more with Web3 gaming that you need to build and it's not just having somewhere to play. Sure. And and just to round out, uh, round out that final topic though, the, the big reveal from uh, September 29th was, uh, was our showroom launch, which is our first Unreal Engine product, and uh, this is the first player environment where, uh, as I said, you can connect your wallet, you load the showroom, you explore this immersive environment, and you can summon your ships and explore your ships at scale. Now, previous to this, um, you're essentially looking at your ship concepts in 2D uh, as a picture on our marketplace, and it's it's you know, difficult for your imagination to run wild with, what does the ship actually look like in the game? And so now we've eliminated the requirement to imagine you can actually go into the engine and explore, navigate, and view your ship. And um, it was received overwhelmingly positive. People are extremely excited about this. And um, what we were able to do is solidify a relationship with um, Epic Games Store. Now. 
Epic as a company produces Unreal Engine, and that's the engine that we use in Star Atlas. They also have a separate division, which is Epic Game Store, which is their distribution platform. There's some 200 million users on Epic Game Store. They have something like 30 to 35 million daily active users. Um, this is where Fortnite lives, which is you know, one of the most popular Web2 metaverse concepts uh, globally. But we were able to land a, uh, a kind of a publishing relationship there, and we're distributing our game now through Epic Games Store, and um, it, it's uh, just a huge accomplishment for us, one for the accessibility to a large user base, but also it makes these updates and product releases um, uh, extremely seamless and, and simple for us. Um when, uh, when we are looking at Metaverse and then uh, we are looking at games, um, you have companies like uh, the Central Arm, the Sandbox, they are kind of like trying to improve the experience the user can have there. And at the end of the day, um, there are not so many engaged users of those Metaverses. So um, you are building uh, um, an ambitious gaming Metaverse. So tell me maybe how we can actually bring those metaverse to the next level where actually the experience that I can have in the central land can be better, definitely and more engaging than what I can have right now because it, look, it seems like it's quite limited so far. Well, I think that's why, why gaming is so important. Um, I, I think of this as uh, what is the, let's say the metaverse was a, was an amusement park, a theme park with roller coasters. Well, what is the, what is the main attraction that's actually bringing people into the park? In the case of Star Atlas, the main attraction is this incredibly beautiful and immersive gaming experience that people want to participate in. Whether you care about digital economies and, you know, social environments inside 3D space or uh, being able to work digitally, um, being able to participate in education online, being able to participate in shopping experiences and commerce experiences, all of these things that we do on the internet today in, in kind of two-dimensional space uh, can and will be done in immersive worlds, digital worlds in the future. And that's where we see Star Atlas going. But what's the first reason for you to come to that environment? And in our case, it's a great game that's going to attract a lot of users and, and have a lot of active participants. Essentially, in the formation of a digital society, you need a catalyst to kick off the growth. And our catalyst is this game. It is the cornerstone of everything that we're doing. So once we get the people in, though, you know, it creates this uh, virtuous feedback loop wherein now businesses that are interested in operating in virtual worlds will come in because there's foot traffic. Yeah, it's the same reason why a person uh, rents space in a mall, because there's a lot of foot traffic in the mall. And so they'll place their... Right. So that, I mean, that's essentially the idea, right? And then the businesses come, the advertising comes, uh, the, the commercialization comes, but this continues to create greater gravity around the concept itself. More people are attracted. Now some people will enter into Star Atlas not to play the game, but because their favorite shopping experience is there on one of the central space stations, right? And now other builders, other studios will want to create a... Uh, uh, a node associated with Star Atlas because they know that we also have users and our users will flow into their world, right? So that's that's the that's the broad picture.
So you're kind of seeing that the future is going to be more and more lived online. I mean, what is going to happen with our physical experiences? If, you know, if uh, um, the Internet is going to be so pervasive to become a parallel virtual world? Well, I, I'm an outdoorsman myself, <laughs> so uh, I do a lot of bicycling. I love rock climbing. I like camping. I like hiking. I, I, I don't want us to lose sense of the physical world around us, but I do think there's going to be this hybridiz hybridization of uh, the digital and the physical. Um, you know, one of the things that I think will, will, will I don't want to get too deep into our mobile application, but I think one of the things that we'll see uh, moving forward is the... Um, is explosive growth around AR experiences. So, you know, imagine essentially you're playing Star Atlas, but you're actually walking around a city and you're completing missions, you know, as you go. Pokemon Go, in a way, is kind of like this. You're using a mobile device and you're exploring physical space and you're you're finding Pokemon along, you know, as you explore. So I think, you know, concepts around AR and maybe VR to some extent are going to lead to this digital experiences and physical space with digital overlays over that experience. So I think that's pretty cool. And do you think it's like only the new generation, the one driving this uh, um, change in uh, how we are going to experience our lives? Or you think there is also space for the current generation and the older generation to adapt and get introduced to uh, the future of the Internet through its through gaming, for example? Well, certainly I think that the, the younger generations are the most uh, experimental. Uh, we, that, I think that's always been the case. And, you know, we'll see larger adoption from younger generation first, but then ultimately we'll see that um, expand into older generations. But, you know, the same thing happened with Facebook. When Facebook first came out, it was people that were in college were, the, were all the ones that were using it. And now it's literally no, everyone it's in the world. Mom. On TikTok, on TikTok. Right, right. So I mean, it's yeah, it, it's it would take away, uh, take some time to, to kind of permeate through all of society. But um, and I, I'm talking very long timelines here. Our, our vision behind Star Atlas is is genuinely building this digital society in a world that can be perpetual, um, because of the very nature of our governance structure. It's actually possible for this thing to evolve for other teams to build around and change the future of Star Atlas itself. So even if we at Automata, the studio behind Star Atlas, if we're no longer involved in the development process, somebody else will pick up the baton and carry that forward is the idea. And there's an entire financial architecture that's been structured around this that can fund the future development. It's it's we've through the DAO, we've essentially created a almost a taxation structure. So the larger economy that exists inside Star Atlas, the more money that flows into the DAO, the DAO can then use that to help perpetuate itself, to pay teams that would like to build out the next generation of Star Atlas. So I'm thinking in timelines that are 100 years plus, you know, not 10 or 20 years, as is the case in most game franchises. I was going to ask you about the DAOs, but you already, uh, you know, covered it. So let's maybe talk about uh, the currency, the in-game currency. Mm -hmm. uh, so with Star Atlas, you have got Polis and you have got Atlas. So um, and, and also 
there were some uh, kind of I would say comment about how centralized the, are some you know the tokens. So maybe mm. maybe explain the function and then uh, maybe to the people that think it's kind of like a bit centralized, the reason why and how you wanna open it up to more users. Sure. Um... Yeah, Atlas is the it's the in-game currency, so it's as you participate in gameplay functions, uh, you you earn Atlas for doing so. Now, this is one of the areas that uh, particularly fascinates me that I spend quite a bit of time with. But we also have a an incredibly talented economics team in-house, and our econ team focuses on kind of three segments of these digital environments, which includes the uh, game economy the token economy, and then separately this big idea of the metaverse economy and what the implications of that are in the future. So um, we spend a whole lot of time uh, designing our economic system so that it can be sustainable, so that it's not hyperinflationary, so that you know we're not using short-term incentive mechanisms to attract user growth where it's detrimental to the long-term success of the project. You see that a lot actually in, in DeFi, which in many ways was kind of the original blockchain game, DeFi, because it, it's a very gamified experience to participate in in AMMs and yield farming and you know pool hopping. Um, but what would happen frequently is governance tokens would be released. They would have these very high yields, right? Thousand percent yields. If you move your liquidity into that pool, everybody moves their liquidity in, the yield goes down, but the token is also valueless because it has no other function at all in that ecosystem. And so people would earn the token, immediately sell it because it was high yield, and then they would move on to the next pool, right? So the, uh, an, not a sustainable ecosystem to build. And that's not what we do at all. Uh, we focus on pairing value exchange such that you know, time spent in game is is well earned and well compensated, but also at a rate that is sustainable. And then ultimately with a focus on converting this economy into more of a peer-to-peer -peer or player-driven economy in the future. So that you're not actually earning from say the emissions curve, which is how almost every token is structured. It's how our token is structured. It gets distributed out over eight years over a specific curve. Um, uh, after which there's the DAO would either need to vote on introducing a perpetual low inflation rate, which is kind of how real uh, economies work today, or uh, it would have to be sustaining based on exchange of value between players, which is really where I'd like to see it go. But that, that just implies that some players are going to be producers and some players are going to be consumers. And to the extent that we identify or can create an equilibrium be between them, then everybody can be happy within the economy. But ultimately, Atlas is—it's the unit of a uh, of account. It is the um, ex, you know currency of this universe. So you earn Atlas, but you also spend Atlas anytime you need to restock your ships, for example, or feed crew members, or purchase consumables, or buy an item from another user. All of this happens in Atlas. How are you seeing, or how are you thinking about getting? Uh... Uh, Web3 gaming mainstream? I mean, as a Star Atlas, what are you doing to kind of push more adoption? Well, I would say we're not necessarily pushing too heavily for adoption of, of the traditional gamer right away, simply because we, you know, I, I think this is par partially why there's some skepticism out there is um, we want to ensure that we have the appropriate product 
in place that's developed and ready for adoption before we start heavily marketing to that traditional user, if you will. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to put a ton of effort into marketing to a group if they're going to be disappointed when they actually interact with your product. Not that I think they'd be disappointed with our with our product in any way. It's absolutely beautiful, but the actual game functionality is still very early stage development. It's, it's not the full game, right? And so it's not the vision that we've laid out. That will take years for us to build, but what we do is release product modules incrementally so that there's always something more for a person to engage in. And so when the time is right, we will start um, promoting this more broadly to the, the traditional gamer audience. And I guess, you know, just the final point there is that the release on Epic Game Store was a step in that direction, but we've also specifically gated that access through these pre-alpha game codes that you have to have been a participant in our ecosystem playing one of our online modules today, which is called Faction Fleet. You have to have been playing Faction Fleet for a while before you can actually get access to the Unreal Engine client. So it's intentionally restrictive. We could have opened the floodgates and said everybody can download this and everybody play this, but unless you have the full context of the development cycle and what we're building and what the future and what the vision looks like, uh, we, we want to be uh, pretty deliberate in who gets access. Yeah, I like that. So finally, let's talk a bit about Solana because, uh, you know, is the fast-growing blockchain network. And uh, there is a lot happening with NFTs and uh, um, potential for Web3. But there are also some issues like, you know, sometimes it goes off, sometimes it gets axed. Some people say it's very centralized. So why have you chose Solana? We made the choice to adopt Solana very early on, actually very early on for the Solana ecosystem, but also, you know, at the inception of our uh, of our company. And so it was it was um, maybe late Q3, early Q4, 2020. We had prepared the early stages of our vision paper, our white paper. Um, uh, we had prepared our game design documentation and uh, we were analyzing different layer one protocols that we could leverage uh, to be the foundation of, of Star Atlas. And there were quite a few that we looked at, but ultimately Solana, first and foremost, from the technology standpoint, met all of our criteria. It was high transaction throughput, it was low transaction cost, and it was low latency. So this idea of sub-second finality, uh, 400 milliseconds between state changes on the blockchain. Now, this is super, super important, particularly for a product like ours, which is intended to have game logic on the blockchain, right? So the latency translates to like a, a gamer language would be lag. If you're, if you're playing a game and you're lagging, well, when you take an action, you don't actually see that action happen on screen. It's frustrating. It's a frustrating experience. And so we need these transactions to process as quickly as possible so that the player experience is real time and is seamless. So the, the tech met our criteria. The team behind it is incredibly high pedigree in scalable technology. Um, the consensus algorithm was completely unique. It's a kind of a proof of history plus proof of stake sort of mechanism that allows for high scalability of the network. and um, uh, I actually saw it as an opportunity for us to move early 
into an ecosystem and grow alongside them. We were complementary to what they were doing, and they were, you know, supportive and complementary of what we were doing. We helped Solana grow. Solana helped us grow. So it was a great time to be involved with Solana as it is still today. This is a question I get asked a lot, by the way, simply because yes, Solana has had some downtime. Solana is not fully deployed on mainnet yet, for what it's worth. It's still a mainnet beta. Um, they're still working through their own development cycle uh, and production cycle. So I fully appreciate where they're at in development and what it's going to take to get to a stable mainnet release. But at the same time, it is specifically because they've had such massive growth and adoption that they are experiencing some of this instability. Um, I, I, I just shared these numbers maybe last week, but um, you know, looking at reports of total transaction volume on something like Solana relative to every other layer one protocol, uh, <laughs> Solana was processing something like 34 million transactions per day versus Ethereum's 1 million transactions per day. Polygon is at like 2.4 million transactions per day, right? So, so Solana is between 10 and, and 35x, the next closest blockchain protocol. And yes, that means it's going to be stress tested. There's a lot of users on it. There's not a lot of users on every other layer one protocol. So uh, it's, it's incredibly beneficial for Solana to be experiencing this and, and downtime is a natural byproduct of that. But what's going to happen is they will improve. And they already have been improving and stability has gotten better over time and this will continue to um, to improve in the future yeah so basically your um your kind of focus is not um is more about choosing a network that can support what you are building rather than thinking you know um let's try to kind of get thinking more about interoperability let's think about you know getting on other chain plug in other communities am i wrong saying that well, we are focused on interoperability, but we aren't the ones focused on building the interoperability layer, if that makes sense. Like there's there's a lot of teams that are already building bridges between Solana and Ethereum, Solana and Polygon, Solana and Terra. People are already focused on this technology that allows the bridging of assets across chains. Um, what, what we don't want to do right now is focus on building our game logic on multiple chains. It's complex enough building on one, especially to the extent that we do. Um, so the asset bridges will be taken care of by someone else. Uh, you know, the user flow, the, we're essentially going to enter into a state where it's quite easy to navigate between one blockchain and another. Ultimately, the user probably will not even know that they're doing so. Um, and But yes, our focus is long-term. We wanted a long-term scalable solution as a partner, not, uh, not focused on the immediacy of where can we get the most users today, given you know everything that we do is long-term oriented we know what our uh our own development cycle looks like yeah yeah completely get and i do agree with you i mean bridges are uh, are fast developing and uh, you know they are kind of creating giving solution to all this problem about moving assets between one chain and another one so um yeah that was a great conversation and anybody that would like to kind of try out uh, buy some nfts um and and uh, you know tr try your uh, your first experience uh, just tell where they can go well i highly encourage everyone to to take a tour through our website it's won multiple awards it's just staratlas.com and 
it in and of itself is uh, your doorway, your gateway to the metaverse. So start there. Our marketplace is on play.staratlas.com. And actually on that portal, you'll have access to not only the marketplace, but content related to our upcoming graphic novel. Uh, so this is an 18 segment uh, comic book format, story, story driven uh, product release. Um, we also have uh, access to our WebGL fleet viewer on there um, uh, and also access to the DAO as well. So if you need to, you know, you want to navigate between those different experiences that we offer. But ultimately, I would just also encourage everyone to join our Discord, discord.gg slash staratlas. We have a very warm and welcoming community. There's some 215,000 people in, uh, in our Discord. But more importantly, they're all super, super helpful. And we have a ton of um, guides and tutorials and help links and great moderators and a great community team there as well to help onboard you into this world that can be quite complex, uh, especially if you're new to blockchain and crypto. So join us in Discord, follow us on Twitter, and uh, hope to see you in the metaverse. Awesome. Listen, anything else that you can tease our viewers on the upcoming products or upcoming you know, news, anything? Uh, well, November is going to be a, another very big month for us. So let me maybe just leave it with that. Leave a little uh, <laughs> carrot there at the end of the stick. But November is going to be a big month. Another big release in Unreal Engine for us. Okay, fantastic, Michael. Yeah. It was a great to chat and I'm looking forward to seeing more updates. Likewise. Thank you, Sefi. I appreciate the time. Thank you.